Welcome. Welcome to the weekend. Everybody up. This is Herded Here with Swanee on 740 The Fan. You'll get the insight and latest information on North Dakota State football. From the tailgate lot to the football field, our countdown is on. Here's your host of Heard It Here, Josh Swanson. Ah, stretch out those legs. Get that big cup of coffee going here on Saturday morning. Bison got an off week. You got those off week blues. Don't know what to do with yourself. The honey do list adding up. Do some yard work. Get things ready for the the fall. Find some games on the TV to watch because the Bison friends. Bison are 4-0 and they're enjoying a well-deserved off week before starting conference play next Saturday versus Illinois State. And from there, the sledding she gets pretty rough. Well, not for the Bison, of course. For the other teams that got to play the Bison. Those top 10 teams. Number 8, Illinois State in normal Illinois next Saturday. After that, the Bison got Missouri State. No, they don't. They have Northern Iowa. Number seven in the country. They had a an interesting game against one of the Idaho schools. They snuck by with a 13-6 kind of win at the Unidome last week. And how good are they? I don't know. We'll find out. Missouri Valley Football Conference play kicking off later this afternoon with a couple games. Then we got Missouri State at home before a tough, tough road trip to end the month of October and take us into Turkey Month. Gobble, gobble. South Dakota State at Dyke House Stadium on October 26th. Then we're down to the Ice Castle in Youngstown, Ohio, in the Rust Belt, playing the Penguins, who are number 20 in the country. They're 3-0 going into today, and I can't for the life of me. And I know I've had a feud. Like, we're making amends with some of the stats, FCS voters. I think, we're, I think we're good now. I think we've smoothed over that bridge of troubled waters. I don't understand how Eastern Illinois, who's 1-3, playing the University of North Dakota today, who entered the coaches' poll after their off week. They're in the poll this week. They're going to Cheney to play a 1-3 Eastern Washington team who does not have a win over a Division One opponent yet. Yet the voters of the Stats FCS poll see fit to put a 1-3 Eastern Washington team in front of a 3-0 Youngstown State team. That's briefly not going to get distracted. It's a it's an off day, sort of for me too, coming to you with the radio show, though I can't deprive you of this audio excellence, even though it's an off week for the Bison. I don't know how you put a 1-3 Eastern Washington in the polls, but let's not digress. Let's talk about this Bison team, their identity, who they are, what we're starting to see after a big, big win over the UC Davis Aggies at the Fargo Dome 27-16 last weekend. We found out a lot, a lot about this Bison. Some days, some days you're just not going to have it. 
And you compete, you prepare, you go to work, but you know how it is. Some days things are just not clicking right. You're just a, just a little bit off. You got to battle through and you got to compete. And that's exactly what North Dakota State did against the Aggies. Taking away nothing from Dan Hawkins, Jake Mayer, and that group. They fought admirably. They competed. But all that in a bag of Skittles ain't worth the Buffalo nickel when it comes to winning and losing. And that's really the only statistic, the only analytic, the only measurement that we need to concern ourselves about when the Bison went 15-0 and last year. The year before that, when they dropped one game on their way to winning the national championship. Do you remember? Are you thinking, well, golly gee golly, 2017 regular season finale against Illinois State. What was the score of that game? What do you remember about that game on the way to a national championship other than the fact the Bison won? Some of you might be thinking, driving in the car, isn't that that uh, snow globe game where it started off as a rain kind of sleet mix, then it was snowing, and when it was it was just a mess down there in normal. Tight game late, 13-7 Bison lead. Easton Stick, last drive of the game under three and a half minutes. Bison need a drive to seal the win. Lock up that number one or two seed. The juggernaut rambles for 56 yards to set up the game clinch and touchdown. Do you remember that? I didn't until I looked it up last night for a column for the October Bison Illustrated. There were no style points in that game. Last November, when North Dakota State played the Penguins at the Fargo Dome, and offensively, we could just not get into a rhythm. We just didn't have it that day on offense. The Bison won. What do you remember about that game? Style points. Style points don't raise championship banners. They don't get you wins. Sam Houston State can talk about all their style points the last few years. Jeremiah Briscoe slinging it all over the field. South Dakota State can talk about style points and everyone phoning over their offensive weapons. When when the games mattered and championships were on the line, style points don't, don't give you currency. They don't matter. They just don't matter. So the fact that the Aggies threw for 422 yards, I disagree with some folks on this. Ross Uggleman buys the report. Ross does a great job. He says folks ought to be concerned about a defense giving up 422 yards. I'm not. I'm not concerned at all. The Bison gave up 16 points and one touchdown, a single touchdown to one of the better offenses in the FCS and UC Davis and their All-American quarterback, Jake Mayer, style points. That dude had three interceptions, two critical interceptions in the fourth quarter. I don't care that one of the balls was batted. He was getting passes knocked down all day that's on the quarterback you got to find your passing lanes and it's not an accident when that ball is thrown defensive linemen are taught to get their big mitts up that's as good as a pass breakup from a Marquise Bridges or a Josh Hayes and Cole Karch corralled that interception setting up Trey Lance's bulldozing touchdown a few plays later earlier in the fourth quarter Michael Tutsi UC Davis drives down the field. They're down by four points. They score a touchdown. They're going up, taking a lead in the Fargo Dome in the latter half of the fourth quarter. 
They're facing a third and goal from inside the 10. Michael Tutsi picks off Jake Mayer right around the goal line in the end zone, Bison ball. Jabril Cox picked him off earlier in Bison territory inside the 30. One touchdown pass for Mayer, three interceptions. Style points? We'll take the turnovers. You can get all the yards you want between the 30s. Those don't give you points. Coach Entz is right. Who cares? Field goals don't beat the Bison. Todd Catermas, great guy, good teammaker, good buddy. He was a groomsman at my wedding. He texts our group during the game. I don't know why they didn't take the field goal. After Christian Watson had a fumble, Bison first drive, second half. Watson has a nice catch, tries to make a move, just makes a mistake, right? He'll clean that up. UC Davis gets it. They go for it on a fourth and one. Code Green stuffs him. Get the ball back. He's texting, why didn't they kick the field goal? Take the points, take the points. Because field goals don't beat the Bison. NDSU knows that. When the game was on the line and it mattered, the Bison made the plays. Tutsi's interception, check. Check mark. Mayer didn't make the play. He throws a pick. Tutsi gets it. Check. A couple plays later, the Bison run the ball a few times, get out of the shadow of their own end zone, punt. First play from scrimmage. Derek Tuska gets a mid on the ball. Cole Karch corrals it. Check. Who made the play? North Dakota State did. Style points. Style points. Smile points. Couple plays later, Trey Lance touchdown seals it 27-16. Good guys. Man, there ain't no such thing as winning ugly. Ask a coach who loses what he thinks about winning ugly. They'll give you the Bill Belichick stare down. That's an oxymoron. Winning ugly. It's diametrically opposed. Getting the win is all that matters. When it comes time to playoff seeding, when they're talking about oh, who's a one seed and, and who's a two, who's going to get that three? You know what? Win's going to carry a bunch of weight. NDSU's 11-point win at the Fargo Dome on September 21st against the UC Davis Aggies. 422 yards. Are you going to remember that around Thanksgiving time? How many yards the Bison gave up? I'm not. I'm going to remember that the Bison won, and it was a good game for the fan base, guys. We needed that game. We needed that game. We talked about it on Heard It Here last week with Nolan Schmidt and Chase Miller, our fans getting bored. The Fargo Dome delivered in that fourth quarter. Yeah, a few too many blue seats than I would have liked. The students, they're streaming out. They've got young people are great. I was a young person. Once upon a time, I did some dumb things, whatever. You probably did too, but leaving at halftime of a tight game when your team's up by four points, the beers will wait, man. They'll be there after the game. Are you really that short of attention? Do you really need to go leave the game? I mean, you're all on your Twitter anyway. You're all looking on Facebook. You're all texting, heads buried in the phone. Do you really need to leave the game at halftime to do what? I can't stand that. That bothers the pancakes out of me wanted to say a different word let's stick that bothers the pancakes out of me leaving early in a tight game like that be better our fan base needed a game like that they got it when it mattered most trey lance that young team young team old line doesn't matter once 
every so often, whether you're the Bison or the Clemson Tigers or Nick Saban's Alabama Crimson Tide, you're going to have a Saturday where you're just off a step. It just happens. For as good as North Dakota State has been, for as good as any other of these championship teams have been, some days it's just not there 110%. By and large, it is 90% of the time. But when it's not, and you need to find a way to win a football game, and in the fourth quarter you make the plays that matter, that's the characteristic of a champion. That's what champions do. And that game, this game, will pay off in spades. The dividends and the returns as we progress through the conference season and the buys and take on Illinois State and UNI and South Dakota State and Youngstown, that experience in the fourth quarter were not just defensively, but the Rams knew they needed to pave the road and open up those running lanes. That is important. We'll be looking back and saying that was an awfully great win. And Swanee, as always, you were right. This is Herded here with Swanee on 740 AM, the fan 107.3 FM. Check out our show page at 740thefan.com. Click on the podcast tab. Want to thank our sponsors, Altendorf Trucking and Express, Seaberg Power Sports, Walton's Tire Service, and Yankee Insurance. And thank all of you, wonderful, wonderful listeners. I do so much appreciate you tuning in. And we got a treat for you coming up. Here after the break, Chris Board, Baltimore Ravens linebacker, number 49, former Bison great, Bison great coming back from the break. We got Board, all kinds of great sound from him on Heard It Here with Swanee, so keep your radio dial locked in right here, baby. Every week, Swanee goes one-on-one with NDSU's Playmakers, the guys who make it happen for the Bison and continue the program's tradition and excellence. These guys are the strength of the herd. Earlier this week, we had an opportunity to sit down and visit with Baltimore Ravens linebacker Chris Board, former Bison great and a long line of Bison defenders playing in the National Football League. They have the Cleveland Browns tomorrow noon kick at home here's our conversation with chris board joining us on heard it here with swanee on 740 a.m the fan and 107.3 fm former bison great and baltimore ravens linebacker number 49 chris board chris how you doing today i'm doing pretty good how are you doing i'm doing really well you guys are playing some good football two and one first place in the AFC North, a big game with the Cleveland Browns this weekend. Uh, pretty good season so far. Yeah, for sure. We're, we're off to a really good start. We're just uh, looking to build on that and continue to get better every week. One, one of the things I've noticed, Chris, watching a bunch of pro buys and so much success, especially with the teams that played during the dynasty, whether it's you, uh, a Nick DeLuca, a Darius Shepard, Carson Wentz, what's that mean to you? that uh, not just you, but so many of your peers that played for North Dakota State are not only uh, uh, making NFL teams, but on the uh, active rosters and getting some playing time. Uh, it just shows how special the culture is at NDSU, how they prepare us to uh, really take that next step and uh, play at the next level. So it's, it's all, uh, it, it just shows how, uh, how prepared and uh, how well uh, we uh, get prepared during college. So. Talk about that preparation, Chris. You know, a lot of guys, scouts regularly coming 
Tobias and practices to games, taking a look at you guys. But talk about that preparation and, and the things you were doing at North Dakota State while you were here that uh, set things up for a bunch of you guys to make the NFL. Uh, just really studying the game. Uh, a lot of that carries over. Uh, a lot of uh, those are like similar to uh, the way things are in the league. Uh, definitely preparing, studying uh, your opponent uh, day in and day out. So that definitely helped me get to where I am and many other uh, pro bison get to where they are. We got Chris Board, Baltimore Ravens linebacker, former Bison great with us on Heard It Here with Swanee on 7.40 a.m. The fan. One of the things I appreciate talking to guys, I was out with Craig Dahl, who you know, Chris, played in the NFL, former Bison, and Nick Schomer last Friday. And it's fun to talk about those guys, what uh, what it was like in the league when they were playing in the day-to-day. So I uh, walked the listeners through uh, kind of an average day for you guys getting ready for your next opponent what you're doing throughout the day and what that's like? Uh, basically, Mondays are our days off. Uh, Tuesdays we have uh, basically just watch film from the previous game and try to get prepared for the next week, Wednesday. Uh, we basically uh, have meetings in the morning, uh, practice in the afternoon, and meetings again. And then pretty much Thursday, similar, Friday, similar to that. And then Saturday, just doing all the final prep to uh, get ready to play the game. And Sunday, we go play. So that's pretty much walking through the, the week of uh, NFL. One of the things that jumps out to me, having, having been to you know a couple Vikings games and other NFL games, you get close to that sideline, and it's it's tough to pick up on TV when you're watching the games. But when you're there at the stadium watching a professional football game, this the speed of the game itself, everything – happens so fast even compared to college it's it's like night and day talk about the the speed of the game and that change in the the nfl yeah everything is a lot lot faster because everything happens within probably four to six seconds so you're pretty much exerting all your energy going as fast as you can doing whatever you can uh very high speed so it's it's definitely uh an adjustment to uh, adjust to the speed of the game so How, how fun is it for you i know there's been some pictures in the last year when when you and other buys, and whether it's a Kyle Emanuel or a Nick DeLuca, when you guys see each other at a, a preseason scrimmage or game or during the regular season to have an opportunity to, to meet with them, how special is that? Yeah, it's, it's really special just to know that you were once teammates and now you're competing against each other at the highest stage. It's, it's truly a blessing just to, to be in this position, but I, I definitely enjoy when uh, one of my buys and teammates come along and play them. So. What was it, uh, going back to the North Dakota State days here with Chris Board, especially your senior season in, in 2017, getting that championship back and beating James Madison. I, I especially remember, Chris, that last defensive stand, JMU's driving down the field. They have that little swing pass, I think, to the left. They might have tried to run up the middle. And, and you were right there, man, on all those plays. What do you remember from that game? Uh, that we won the game. <laughs> <laughs> the most important thing that we won the game. Uh, it was a it was a very close game, but I'm just glad we came on top. Uh, that we were able to uh, go out the right way my senior year and uh, kind of reclaim that uh, that that title. Be, being a few years removed from it now, does it seem a little bit? I, I mean, I know the culture, how hard the Bison work every day, and and especially during the off season with Coach Kramer the preparation that's put into it. But you ever sit back and, and think about the number of championships that you guys won? Because that's that's rarefied air, man. There's not too many guys out there, any division, that have the uh, championship rings and hardware that you and your teammates brought home. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that, that might not happen again. But uh, I'm just 
fortunate just to to have been a part of that process the years that I was. So yeah, it's, it's definitely something special down uh, up there in North Dakota. With another Bison, you know, talking about former Bison, one of the guys you had an opportunity to play for, Raven Special Teams Coordinator Jerry uh, Rosberg, who recently retired. What was that like? You know, another Bison great. His senior class team was inducted into the NDSU Hall of Fame last year. Well, what was it like to play underneath him and have that Bison tie? Uh, he definitely taught me a lot as, as far as special teams and being the special teams coordinator. Uh, yeah, he, he definitely taught me uh, everything that needs to know uh, as far as playing at the next level, just the speed of the game, the technique, and everything that comes along with that. So I, I definitely thank Jerry uh, so much just for just being a part of my first uh, season in the NFL. He definitely uh, helped me become the player I am today. How important, I, I know reading some stuff that the Baltimore newspapers did, especially on special teams when you were at NDSU, Chris, early in your career, you were all over the place as just an uh, an ace, one of the best special teams players in the Missouri Valley and FCS. Talk about the importance of that and how that's translated to your success in uh, playing with the Ravens. Uh, it's very important. That's uh, one of the main reasons that helped me get my opportunity in the NFL. And uh, from there, I've been kind of expanding and uh, trying to find a new role on defense as well as team. So, yeah, it's definitely it's been vital, basically, to my career and just uh, playing in the NFL. And this season in particular, wrapping up here with Chris Board, linebacker from the Baltimore Ravens, number 49, former Bison great, multi-time national champion. Uh, talk about your game and, and playing linebacker and, and where you're at specifically this year on, on the defense for the Ravens, who traditionally, whether it's you know a Ray Lewis or an Ed Reed, there are just so many good. You think about the Ravens and you think about just really, really good defense and, and talk about how you're coming along here uh, with those guys. Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm playing a lot of special teams. I'm playing uh, Mike and, and Dom linebacker when needed. So, yeah, I'm just really doing whatever they ask me to do to the best of my ability, pretty much. Hey, Chris, I know you're a really busy guy and you guys have a lot of stuff going on today, but I want to thank you for the the listeners on Heard It Here with Swanee. We appreciate your time, man, and we appreciate everything you did at North Dakota State. And I'll tell you what, man, it's a lot of fun watching watching guys like you play on a Sunday as a, as a Bison fan, even though you're you're with the Ravens and I'm a fan of a different team, man. It, it's yeah. awfully good to watch you succeeding out there, man. Yeah, it's unfortunate that you're a fan of the team, but thank you for having me on. Hey, I'll, I'll cheer for the Ravens. Though. None of my teams are in the AFC, Chris. I'll be pulling for you guys to win the AFC North. How about that? Yeah, I'll right. take that. All right, you have a good one, buddy. How you too? That was Chris Board, Baltimore Ravens linebacker, joining us on Herded here with Swanee on 740 AM, The Fan. 107.3 FM. You can listen live at 740thefan.com. Make sure to check out my newest podcast, The Thundering Herdcast. Go to the podcast tab at 740thefan.com. Make sure to subscribe on Apple iTunes for free. Search Thundering Herdcast. We'll be back with the FCS roundtable and talk about how we grade the Bison's non-conference performance. So stay tuned. Listen here, Bison Country, as Swanee and the rest of the folks at the home ranch lasso up the good, bad, and mostly the ugly. The really ugly. Like a hard day and night of tailgating for 15 hours ugly. Of NDSU's opponents on the Thundering Herd cast. Here is Swanee's advice for living. 
Much like that renegade desperado Martha Stewart. What I'm telling you ain't illegal, though. Maybe it's a little bit illegal. No, I'm just kidding. It's not illegal. As your radio in-house counsel, here's what you ought to do. Off week. Here we go. You need to go pick up some cold Sam Adams Oktoberfest. That's what your boy Swanee later on today is. I'm putting the feet up. Watching some football, that's my flavor. So then you need to get some wings. Buffalo rings, wings, and things. Tyler Axness on uh, Mighty 790. I know he, he likes going over there, whatever your wing flavor is. Hey, just get some wings. Maybe throw in a pizza. You flip on the tube, get 740 AM, the fan on in the background so your uh, sports information needs are satisfied. And you just enjoy the day, man. You just enjoy this fall day and being awesome and being a Bison fan. Who has it better than us as Bison fans? Nobody. Nobody does. Because the Bison are 4-0 with the most impressive resume in this young FCS season. The only team, North Dakota State is the only team with three wins over top 25 opponents as of right now sitting in the polls now when the bison played und und wasn't ranked they're ranked now so the bison beat a team that was in the top 25 in und the bison played delaware delaware was ranked in the top 25 and they still are check that top 25 win and of course uc davis they were a top four team i think they dropped a spot or two in some of the polls that's three wins against good opponents. Nobody else has that. James Madison doesn't have that. After losing to Minnesota in the opener, South Dakota State's non-conference record, record opponents, they played some fluffy, pillowy, soft foes. They didn't play anybody. North Dakota State took on a schedule that'll ultimately make them better. And Chase Miller from 740, the fan, on our FCS Face the Nation roundtable. We got some sound from Matt Entz talking about NDSU's non-conference slate. But to have the quality of of non-conference schedule that we had, I think, helped our team move along maybe quicker than than if you didn't play that high caliber of opponents. And uh, like I said before, we've seen so many different things from a defensive standpoint uh, for our offense, and, and Trey's done a nice job of, of handling it all. So I think that has helped in our development and, and maybe even expedited the process slightly. Uh, from a defensive standpoint, we've had to play a number of different players already. So it, it's been a challenge for us already uh, just to get the right combination of people in there. But uh, I think you saw again on Saturday, eight to nine, maybe even ten different defensive linemen playing. If you're Matt Anson, the Bison, as far as we know, the Bison are completely healthy. From the opener until now, every guy on the roster is available. No significant injuries that we know of. You've got a 4-0 record, and you're heading into Illinois State next weekend, off and off week in a full head of steam, Chase Miller. 
And that's the one thing I think anytime you go into the game of football, you always hear about injuries. And for North Dakota State, they're healthy for the most part. They're not dealing with the quarterback carousel, so to speak, up at the University of North Dakota. They're not dealing with a couple of big-time playmakers at Illinois State earlier in the week, Swanee, that we heard went down. So for the most part, if Trey Lance can stay healthy, the one biggest question that, that I had, I think the same with you and Nolan was coming into the year, how can the running back stay healthy for a full season and who's going to be a freshman that maybe emerges after, uh, you know, you lose a couple of running backs again. You still have Seth Wilson out of the year with an ACL. So is, can Ty Brooks take 10, 15 touches per game, and can he be 100% healthy? Can you go to Adam Cofield, and can he be a guy that can, you know, manage the load? And now all of a sudden we see Kobe Johnson that, that's that been in there, and, and he's been a playmaker and a workhorse and a couple of others as well. So I think the running back spot, 20 for me specifically, has been a spot that's, okay, they've been healthy for four games, now can they be healthy for the next three, the next four games once they get to conference play, understanding that you're going to play UNI, you're going to play SDSU, Illinois State. These are going to be a little bit more of a hard-hitting football game, kind of like what you saw with UC Davis a little bit you know, last weekend, Swanee. So that's going to be, for me, the next two, three games. Can those running backs stay healthy enough to where you don't have to worry about really pulling off another red shirt off someone or maybe uh, doing another Dimitri Williams type of deal where you bring someone from a wide receiver into that running back spot. It's definitely a running back by committee approach right now. Got to be happy with the North Dakota State run game, the offensive line, the Rams. We had Coach Blazik on, heard it here a couple of weeks ago. The Bison are averaging just a hair under 287 yards per game rushing. It's one of the best numbers in the country. While opponents are averaging less than 100 yards, the Bison are holding their opponents to an average of 97.8 yards per game on the ground, and they're spreading the carries out. Ty Brooks has 40 carries. Trey Lance has 40 carries, many of those coming in the first two games. Kobe Johnson, 25 carries. Adam Cofield, 41 carries. Sabian Clark, 14 carries. And Dimitri Williams, who has not played the last two games, he has 12 carries. And what I like seeing Chase looking at some of the numbers for the buys and as far as rushing the football, all those guys have explosive plays and have busted off long runs. Ty had the 57-yarder against Davis that set up Trey Lance's first touchdown run. Trey's got a 61-yard run. Kobe had a 46-yard run against Delaware. Sabian has a 20-yard run. Christian Watson on that end around had a 22-yard run against North Dakota. And Dimitri Williams has a 20 yard run you're getting explosive plays and you're getting through all those running backs a bunch of carries a bunch of yards in the last two games North Dakota State has had a different guy rush for over 100 yards it was Ty Brooks against Davis Kobe Johnson did it did it against Delaware and if you go back to the opener against Butler Trey Lance put up over 100 on the ground, and it sounds like from what Matt Ansis said during some of his press conferences, Chase, that's the plan throughout the season to keep those legs fresh, to take advantage of the Bison depth, especially as you get into some really tough conference games coming up, is spreading the ball out like that. And it helps, too, when you have Trey Lance who can you know take 10, maybe 15 carries a game on his own right, that doesn't go to Ty, that doesn't go to Dimitri, that doesn't go to Cofield and, and so forth. So, you know, Trey Lance is your second leading rusher. I don't think it's out of necessarily necessity. It's more of that's how the game plan's been able to work. Trey Lance also has had a couple of opportunities when the play has broken down to make something happen and try to rush for 5, 10, you know, plus yards in a football game. So at the end of the day, 
you know, we'll, we'll see if the Bison get a 1,000-yard rusher. I mean, they're not maybe necessarily on pace for one right now just because Ty Brooks is only averaging about 70, 80 yards you know, per game. But that's to your point of, hey, if they're only going to give me 12 carries a game, that's because they want me to be healthy if you're a running back looking at it once you play Western Illinois, South Dakota, Southern Illinois at the end of the season. And with how NDSU has shaped up their schedule, Swanee, if they can win next week against Illinois State and go to 5-0, and beat another ranked team before they come home to Northern Iowa, which we're going to find out more about Northern Iowa later today with their squad uh, matchup down in Ogden, Utah against Weber State at 7 o'clock. Um, I'm, I'm really curious how NDSU can feel like you start checking off the boxes because the boxes always are this, right? Win a conference, share a conference title. If you do that, you're going to have a spot to put yourself in a seed, a top eight seed, and obviously possibly a one or two seed. And if you do that, you start winning games at home, and now you find yourself again in Frisco, Texas. The formula is a lot easier to say than what you actually have to do, but here's where it is. You're 4-0 in non-conference. You put yourself as a number one team. Now if you can start the conference play 2-0, and you're getting a lot closer to your second goal, which is to win the Missouri Valley Football Conference, put yourself up to a top ranking, and that allows you then to have the playoffs come through the Fargoon. It's the same old recipe, Swanee, that hasn't changed in about the last eight years. The Bison are executing. The Bison are absolutely executing. You have to – one of the question marks going into the year, who is going to catch passes from Trey Lance, and how would Trey Lance progress? Coach Entz has said that Trey's getting better week to week. There's things they want to work on and improve on. But so far, so good, Bison Nation. you got to like what you're seeing from this young cat. He's completing 72.2% of his passes, 52 is 72 on the year, nine touchdowns through the air, zero interceptions. He ran for another two touchdowns last weekend. That gives him six rushing touchdowns, 15 total touchdowns. And if you extrapolate... Then do the math. We're a third of the way through the season. 15 total touchdowns accounted for. You take that number times three, one-third, third of the way through the season. We're doing some Maddock 58348 math at you. That's 45 touchdowns through the regular season. Those are Easton Stick juggernaut kind of numbers. The Bison will take that any day, and he's completed passes. 15 different Bison. Have been on the end of receptions this season so far, led by Sproles and Watson, who have eight apiece. Colefield's there with six, so they're spreading the ball around. One thing, uh, I hate to be nitpicky. I told you not to worry about style points. I'm not going to worry about style points. You got to figure out the dropsies, man. Way too many drop passes so far, especially that Davis game that could have came back and, and bit the bison in the heels a little bit. Sproles dropped one. Gindorf dropped one. They were pretty good, pretty good tosses by Trey Lance. Chase, the, the Bison receivers, they're a work in progress. I think they're going to continue to get better week after week, but there's definitely some things we had. Receivers coach Noah Pauly on the Thundering Herdcast last week. You can find that on Apple iTunes. Search Thundering Herdcast. Subscribe for free. Give us a review. We look at those. I enjoy reading them. I love the five-star stuff, man, because that makes sure that podcast proliferates from C to FCS, shining C. But we had Coach Pauly on, and he talked about, talked about, from Canada now, talked about, one of the things that receiver's room needs to do is find that consistency, continue to develop that rapport with Trey Lance. 
But, man, too many drops. That Delaware game, got to clean that up going to conference play. Yeah, Delaware alongside with UC Davis. And and the one thing, too, is Trey Lance has put the ball in the money. His uh, you know offensive line in front of him has given a, a lot more time than not to look down the field. And, you know, at the end of the day, the, the question is, is brewing, who's the number one wide receiver? And I don't know if we know who that is yet, and I don't know if that's a good or bad thing because normally – you know, okay, you had a Zach Ra, you had an R.J. Erzendowski, you had a Warren Holloway, right? I mean, you had a number one guy, and right now, you know, is it just a matter of Trey Lance building the rapport with Christian Watson and Phoenix Sproles and some of these other, uh, you know, playmakers on the outside? We obviously see what he's done with the tight ends. We haven't maybe seen the running back passing game all into uh, effect yet with maybe some some screens or some quick bubble packages out to the outside. So the question for me, Swanee, is yes, you got to clean up the drops. Yes, you got to make sure you you come down with the football. But who's that number one guy? I mean, if it's third and twenty with thirty seconds left and the Bison are at the opponent's thirty yard line and they got to get ten or fifteen yards and make it to a fourth and five, who is NDSU going to? I don't know who it is right now. And as a defense coordinator, that's probably okay too. Tyler Rowe would say, "Hey, we can go to seven, eight guys here. That that that's what we want." But who is your number one guy that you're going to put faith in and say, "Go make the play"? Because that happened against you and I when Erzendowski caught the ball through two Panthers, and you said, "How did he come up with that?" Well, that was because Carson Wentz, Easton Stick, those those quarterbacks had trust in what he was able to do. So that's my biggest thing, uh, Swanee, going into the bye week here. Going into conference play, who is going to be the number one wide receiver in the next couple of games to say, hey, if it's third and long, get me the ball. I'll make the play. I'll make the catch, and we'll get the first down. Last year, of course, it was Darius Shepard who's playing for the Green Bay Packers, a pro bison. We had uh, Ramon Humber. Ramon Humber, so many good bison defenders. Ramon, who won a Super Bowl, the Patriots. Joe Mays, Craig Dahl, Nick Schomer, Nick DeLuca, Chris Board, Kyle Emanuel, Trey Dempsey playing up in Canada. You can listen to the interview we had earlier this morning with Baltimore Ravens linebacker Chris Board, number 49, on our show page at 740thefan.com. Click on the podcast tab, go down to Heard It Here. That will be up here in just a little bit, so you can Go back and listen to it. Want to thank our show sponsors, Aldendorf Trucking and Express, Seaberg Power Sports, Yonke Insurance, and Welton's Tire Service. We're going to come back to wrap the show here. Instead of doing a, what, what's your grade? That's so cliche. Everyone does it. How do you grade the Bison through the first four games of the non-conference? How do you grade them? We're going with a modified Swan scoring system on a scale of zero Swans being packed in and five Swans, the Swan Lake Swanerific. That's pretty swantastic stuff, man. Five Swans is the highest score you can get. Chase and I will grade out the Bison's non-conference performance on the modified Swan scoring system when we come back. song takes me back. Remember that old Saturday Night Live skit with uh, Swayze, Patrick Swayze, and Chris Farley, Chippendales, Kevin Nealon? Every time, Chase Miller, I hear this song, I start to chuckle because that's the first thing that comes to mind is Kevin, uh, Kevin Nealon. 
Chris Farley and Patrick Swayze stripping on Saturday Night Live during that skit. Is that is that before your time? It might be a little bit before my time, but though there's always a song or two that reminds you either of a movie, a skit, maybe where you were, you know, in, in terms of growing up or, or where you were at at some point. And I think a lot of people probably, Swanee, SNL probably have the same memory that you have for this one. I, I just went all Jack Michaels and Derek Hansen <laughs> on you, listening to Jack's show during the noon hour on uh, 740 AM, the fan right here, Jack will reference something. And Chase, you, you remember when Kiss rocked out at El Tadina back in 73? Nope. Like, dude, wasn't alive. Sorry, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm old. I'm, I'm dated like that. But I grew up watching SNL, and that's probably why I do things like invent the modified Swan scoring system, the S, the modified Swan scoring system. Here's how it works. Scale of zero swans, meaning need to work on it. It's pretty bad. And five swans, which is the highest swan score you can get. That's Grandpa Swanee, Jim Swanson level kind of swans, legendary. Let's roll through the bison. Let's start on the defensive side of the football chase. Swan score system, how many swans are you giving the defensive line? Yeah, defensive line, they've been able to add to it. They've been able to continue to rush the quarterback. They got to Mayer a lot. Didn't necessarily sack him, but put some pressure on. That'll need to help uh, continue. And they've added depth, you know, from game number one to game number four. So I would probably have to give it a solid four. You know, there's still obviously room for improvement. There's still obviously a little things that can happen. But they had three batted balls against Mayer. One came up with an interception. And they're just going to see better level of competition that can run the football moving forward. So that's my biggest thing. Once they play against a team that wants to run it mouth to mouth right right at them, I don't know if they've really met that you know squad yet. So I'm gonna give them a solid four right now. I'm I'm with you on the four, and the only reason I'm not going higher than a four or five swans is I'd like to see them close the deal and get to the quarterback. They've gotten pressure. The Bison have ten sacks on the season. I want to see them start putting the quarterback on the ground for those drive killing sacks. So I'll go with the four linebacker play. How many swans you give in the Jabril Cox, and Hanky, and the rest of the Bison linebackers? Yeah, Mercadell with them right right there too, Swanee. I mean, they've, they've done a really nice job. I, I don't want to sound like repetitive, but it's hard not to go four, maybe four and a half with, with what they've been able to do. You know, Cox has had to play a different position. Mercadell and alongside Hanky had to come in and kind of find their own. Mercadell obviously off an injury. Hanky being more the voice now at the middle linebacker spot. But there hasn't been too many hiccups within that room either. So I think a solid four would be cool, and it's a good thing. They were able to, you know, contain Mayer for the most part. Now, once they go up against a more running style of quarterback like we saw for part two in Delaware, that's where the linebackers are really going to start making their hay or we can give them a better grade. But I think at this point, a four. Bison have played some pretty good offenses, and over the course of four games have only yielded four touchdowns total defensively. I'm with you, four, four, and I, I would even go four and a half swans. And the reason I say that, they've had, uh, Jabril had that big interception against Davis to end a drive. You're playing a lot of guys. A lot of guys are playing well. They're doing good work on special teams. So I'll go with four and a half swans on the modified swan scoring system. Defensive backs, the secondary, DBs, corners, and safeties. The emergence of Michael Tutsi has to be one of the biggest stories during the early part of the year for the Bison. And that Dawson Weber even was able to play a little bit too with uh, James Hendricks out. So I think with that, I'm going to give him a four and a half. Yes, they gave uh, 300 yards up to Mayer, but Mayer put the ball in some tight windows and took a lot of hits. And that's the guy that's going to get a shot at the next level. Whether he makes it or not, 
that's going to be the question. But I think four and a half, Sony, just because they've had to go through some injuries, they've had some guys step up. And I think you said it a couple of weeks ago. You didn't even know Hendricks was out because that's how good you know Dustin Weber was playing against UND. So I'm going to go four and a half. Same here, man. I, I got to give it a four and a half. I know we're getting kind of repetitive, but you got even a guy like James Kayser, who, met, who Coach Entz referenced uh, this past week, is a guy that they got on the field quite a bit playing some linebacker, kind of dual DB linebacker stuff against the past past half happy Davis. Team, four and a half, man. They're doing a really nice job. On the offensive side of the ball, let's start with my guys, the Rambos. Rams. Let's go Rams. Coach Blazik. I'm giving those guys chase. I'll kick this one off. Five stars. 4.8. It's not, I don't know if I'm going to give anybody five. <laughs> 4.8. We got four and four-fifths of a swan to the Rams. I'm going to go with four and a half just because it did become a little bit tougher against UC Davis, and that's fine, and they still rushed for almost 200 yards in that football game. Uh, there's going to be some things that they're going to have to see now in conference play against UNIs and the Illinois States. This is where we're going to find out how good the offensive line can be in conference and can they do it consistently enough. But without question, Swanee, uh, they have been as advertised so far through four games. Running out of daylight, so let's lump the receivers, tight ends, and running backs all together, the skill guys on offense. I really like the multifaceted dimension approach to those guys, a bunch of guys making plays. A lot of room to improve. Got to stop. Got to stop the stuff early on. Trey and Ty muff that exchange. Watson's fumble. That kind of stuff. I'll give them a four. I like the talent, but they've got some stuff they need to work on. Things that they need to work on. Tight ends obviously have been a big part of the offense. I'm going to go four point two five. Can you do a quarter swan? Absolutely. Uh, all right, we'll go four point two five for that unit. Just so you can do a quarter cow. You can get a you can get a a swan leg, a swan drummy for an. Four and one quarter swan quarterback play Trey Lance. What do you got? Uh, I think it's hard not to give him a four seven five. I, I mean, I don't want to give nice. him a perfect mark, so I'll give him a four seven five. I'll give him a four nine. Just because I <laughs> just because I said we're not going to do a five. Trey Lance with a four nine. Thanks for tuning in to Heard It Here with Swanee on seven forty a.m. The Fan one hundred seven point three FM. Want to thank our sponsors Altendorf Trucking and Express, Seaberg Power Sports, Weldon's Tire Service, and Yankee Insurance. Make sure to check out our show page at 740thefan.com. Click on the podcast tab. And also, tune in during the off week to the Thundering Herdcast. That's at 740thefan.com, too. For Chase Miller, I'm Josh Swanson reminding you that the strength of the herd is the bison, and the strength of the bison is the herd.